Hi, this is Rob Silverstone, and you're listening to The Rob Silverstone Show. On today's episode, we'll talk about office etiquette. What is it, and why is it important? According to more than one source, office etiquette is defined as the basic manners that we should show to each other within our work environment. There are appropriate forms of behavior, and there are inappropriate forms. In other words, people should be fair, consistent, and respectful of one another at all levels, at all times. If you live in a big city, chances are you'll be around many people who come from different economic and cultural backgrounds. This means people have different learned behaviors, not everyone lives by the same set of rules, and not everyone understands what the best way is to behave in certain situations especially because professionalism isn't really taught in most schools, and it isn't always taught at home either. So, what's the best way to behave around others? In general, do not promise what you can't deliver. Be punctual at all times. Be respectful and courteous. Let me tell you a little story in my background that I witnessed, unfortunately. Once upon a time, I was sitting with my boss and one of my co-workers. My boss made a comment about the co-worker in the room about the quality and length of her hair. I was mortified, she was embarrassed, and our boss thought it was no big deal. That's an example of how not to be respectful and how not to be courteous. Don't make comments about people's personal behavior or personal appearance in front of others. If there is an obstacle to successful working, then of course the boss may want to let that subordinate know what might be altered, as long as it's appropriate to the workplace. Personal appearance is usually not subject to that situation. Another aspect. Ask permission from your boss before agreeing to take on work from another source, before taking time off, etc., Make sure your boss understands that your priority at work is your department and what you're supposed to be doing. Of course, it depends on the culture and policies of your company as to the best way to ask these questions. If another department has asked you to do work, at some companies it's sufficient just to email your boss or text your boss to give him or her a heads up. At other companies, it might be more appropriate to sit down with your boss face-to-face to explain the situation and why you think it might be a benefit for you to take on this other project. Similarly, if you're going to take vacation time or personal time, let your boss know as far in advance as possible so he or she can plan around it to ensure there is adequate capacity to get the work done. I know there are last-minute emergencies when you have to take off time on short notice, and that can be okay, but always give your boss a heads up before actually taking the time off, just in case, and so your boss knows when you're not working or not in the office. Pay attention in work meetings and work conversations, when you're sending emails, when you're listening to a conference call, etc., and be a good listener. That means don't try to multitask. Multitasking means you do neither task well. Pay attention to the topic at hand. Take notes if necessary. By the way, taking notes is a good way to help remember important points. And figure out what your follow-ups or next steps are. Maintain a tidy work area. At another job, I was responsible for the company move. And as we were looking at the offices to determine how much materials we needed, packing boxes, moving resources, etc., 
We came across one office that was occupied by a person who liked to save things. In fact, some might have characterized him as a hoarder. He had neatly stacked piles in his office of lunch bags, of plastic knives and forks, of cellophane paper, of food wrappers. Of course, these materials had nothing to do with the nature of our work, and in fact, all this remnant food and food packaging attracted rodents. So, we had a mouse problem. Of course, we didn't want to move the garbage, and we certainly didn't want to move the mice, so we had to call in an exterminator to correct the problem first before we did the move. That's an example of the opposite of a tidy workspace. Being tidy and clean can send a message about how organized you are at work or in life in general. Don't gossip. It is definitely the case that things you say can and will come back to you. Stay away from the crowd that gossips because it's better not to be associated with them in the eyes of other colleagues or higher-ups at work. My philosophy in life, as well as at work, is to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Treating everyone with respect, whether that is the CEO, the office manager, the maintenance staff, or the receptionist who greets you when you first walk in. In terms of the boss or bosses, what are your boss's preferences in establishing working relationships and department structure? For example, some bosses seek out input from their subordinates before making decisions, while other bosses prefer to hand down decisions to their departments to execute. Some bosses prefer a flat organization with a large number of staffers involved in the process, and some prefer to work only through one or two subordinates. Some bosses are very approachable, even informally, and some prefer that their employees make appointments to have conversations, no matter how small. Ask for feedback from your boss on a regular basis. Ask to give feedback constructively as well. Sometimes you may be inclined to challenge your boss. Tread carefully here, of course. For example, if you disagree with a decision that your boss has made, and you feel that it would be helpful to say so, perhaps to suggest an alternative, then do so directly and diplomatically. It really depends how well you know your boss and how comfortable you feel in being candid and offering your opinions. It is generally best to do so in person and not via text or email so that you can read your boss's facial reactions and body language and so that your boss can read yours. In terms of colleagues, there are many benefits to working closely with co-workers. Those who work together can share differing viewpoints and rationales and can even teach each other how to approach problems and how to become more efficient at finishing tasks. For example, if a finance person, a salesperson, and a marketing person work together on setting the path to sell a new product, they will cover ground that affects all three departments simultaneously. This is far more preferable than having each put together his or her own plan just to have the others add to, alter, or rewrite those plans without the back-and-forth dialogue about the changes. That makes for a much longer and disjointed process. You may have disagreements with your colleagues, and at what point is it better to let it go rather than creating a hostile situation? I'm glad you asked. If you are passionate about a project and yet someone else thinks it should be done differently... One way is to deal with the issue without causing friction is to talk about the pros and cons of both approaches. You and your colleague might come to a consensus that includes elements of both, or you might be persuaded that your colleague's idea is better or vice versa. 
You don't necessarily have to agree on everything, but your willingness to share concepts and to constructively and thoughtfully criticize will generally lead to better results. The purpose of working in an office is to be more accessible to each other and to your bosses. Working from home has detriments and benefits. Some of the detriments, one worker focused on one project may finish that project quickly, but faster does not always lead to the best outcome or the most comprehensive thinking. Company culture is difficult to learn remotely, particularly for new employees. Of course, there are benefits of working from home. Namely, you'll spend less time commuting, which could translate into more time for work and more time for non-work projects with less stress. In terms of subordinates, practice what you preach so that your subordinates can follow your example. Show them how to be more productive, but don't do their jobs for them. In other words, let them make minor mistakes so that they learn. Always give constructive criticism, but don't just criticize. Ask your subordinates for feedback about how you are doing and about how they are doing. Show some interest in their personal lives. They'll treat you with more respect if you show them this respect. For example, you could ask, how are things going in your new apartment? That said, don't pry with your subordinates and don't ask questions that could make them feel uncomfortable i.e. don't ask how the date went last night, or don't ask if you ever resolved that argument with your spouse. Those are questions that are a little bit too personal in nature. How should, uh, how should others behave around you? Your bosses should be respectful of your boundaries, of your work-life balance, and of your skill set. Unless there is an urgent matter, your bosses should not call you with work-related items after working hours or on your days off particularly if you get paid by the day or by the hour. The boss should listen if you have concerns or questions and should never give you the silent treatment just because he or she disagrees or is upset with something you said. For those of you who read the book or saw the movie, The Devil Wears Prada, here's a good example. The boss assigns work to an assistant, but doesn't tell the assistant enough information in order for the assistant to figure out what to do or how to do it, forcing her to ask questions of others. You do want to give some direction if you're the boss, and you do want to make sure that your subordinate can finish the job successfully. As a subordinate, you should expect your boss to do the same thing. And if he or she isn't, in a nice way, let your boss know. In terms of harassment and discrimination, this type of behavior is never okay, whether relating to appearance, sexual matters, gender matters, religion, ethnicity, abilities, etc., in terms of your colleagues, their projects and your projects, there can be disagreement. The degree of importance of what you do versus what your colleagues do can vary. That does not mean your colleagues have the right to constantly interrupt you in order to get answers to their questions. It does mean if you're busy and a colleague needs information that you can say, you know what, I'm busy right now. Let's talk about this three o'clock today or let's talk about this at the next coffee break. It's okay to put them off gently as long as your intent is to help them later. How you treat them will be reflected back in how they treat you. Always give examples of what you're thinking and what you're doing and what you expect. Another aspect of work colleagues is about being friendly versus being friends. You don't have to be friends with the people you work with, but you do want to ensure that the work environment is supportive, cordial, and friendly. 
Coworkers may ask you to go out to lunch, to dinner, or other after-work activities, and these can be great bonding experiences. However, you may feel pressured to partake, even though you may also have personal conflicts. Tell your coworkers if this becomes an issue. Don't be afraid to say yes sometimes and no other times. In terms of subordinates, subordinates should be respectful of their boss's time and should not be overly demanding just as bosses should be respectful and not overly demanding of their subordinates. Keep in mind that what is the highest priority to you may not always be of the highest priority to your boss, or your boss may be concerned about something he or she is working on for your boss's boss. There is a slogan I've heard in the work world that I don't particularly agree with. Some people have said it's better to ask permission than forgiveness. Some have said it's better to ask forgiveness than permission. My view is you need to be respectful of boundaries and of how your company operates and about the rules. And if you're constantly asking for forgiveness because you've broken rules, that ends up not reflecting well on you. To give you an example, I worked at a company where the salespeople were basically in charge. Not only did we have rules, but they seemed to think that they were immune to some of those rules. So they would feel on occasion that it was okay to break the rules, in order to get something accomplished, to sell advertising, to get an appointment. But my view is, it's better to ask about reinterpreting the rules. It's better to seek out permission first, so A, we don't create bad precedents. B, we don't create extra work for others down the line who may be resentful. C, we don't hurt feelings of others, whether outsiders or company employees. And D, most importantly, we don't disappoint our clients. If we disappoint our clients, we might never get them back. The purpose of sales is to generate revenue, of course, but it's also, in many cases, to generate long-term relationships between the buyer, another a vendor or another company, and the seller, our company. If we don't honor those long-term relationships, it's much, much more difficult to recognize and match revenue year after year. If you're a good boss, your staffers will be more likely to follow your example and want to produce good work for you, and they'll take more pride in what they're doing. Let's talk about traveling for company business with coworkers. This is an area with lots and lots going on. If you're on a business trip, focus on the important things, getting a deal done, bonding with colleagues, learning new information, brainstorming to come up with new ideas, Maybe the trip is a reward for all the hard work. Uh, What to avoid and what to consider on these trips. If your company assigns several people to room together as roommates in hotel rooms, be respectful of your roommate's boundaries, of your roommate's possessions, of your roommate's desire to get a good night's sleep. If this work trip involves dinner, drinking, other late-night entertainment, certainly be careful and respectful about the nature of conversations Don't drink too much and go on drunken revelries with your colleagues. That sounds like fun, but it usually ends badly. On work trips that involve vacation-like activities, having fun on the company's dime can be okay, and sometimes it is prescribed. However, there are still behavioral lines that should not be crossed, and people should never take advantage of their company nor of their co-workers. Avoid undue pressure on coworkers to join group activities that might make them feel particularly uncomfortable, such as singing in front of a group, wearing a bathing suit in front of colleagues, or undertaking physical activities that may involve a high degree of risk or fear. 
Whether on a work trip or in the office, it's always a good idea to try to diffuse bad behaviors. For example, if there is harsh criticism, try to redirect it. Listen for the real message behind the criticism. Respond in a non-threatening, low-emotional manner. Responding emotionally could exacerbate the problem, so, as has been said, think twice before you speak. It's important to stop work bullies in their tracks. Often, this can be done using logic, not emotion, in reasoning to point out the bad behavior. One boss I had, who was something of a bully, was constantly threatening subordinates. Sometimes in a big meeting, with 10 or 12 or 15 of us, the boss would say things such as, if we don't get this done, you're all fired. Or, hey George, you gave me a crappy report yesterday. If you don't fix it by 5 o'clock today, you're toast. It's okay to encourage people to do better work and to point out things that they've done improperly, but sometimes that is best done pointing it out to them individually. It's never a good idea to embarrass people in front of their peers or in front of their work colleagues. And it's never a good idea to threaten their livelihood just because you disagree or are unhappy with the work product. Yes, there are mechanisms in place at most companies to put people on warning towards termination if they're not performing up to speed, but that's a very carefully laid out process that involves documenting bad behavior and documenting what is said to the individual. That is not threatening to fire somebody in front of everybody else. So when should we confront problematic behavior? The best way to stop it is, as I said, to point it out and to show why it is unacceptable. Sometimes it's necessary to enlist others to help deliver that message because either A, you were afraid of the reaction of the person in question, or B, your company may want witnesses in order to document that something was done to try to fix the problem. When should you go to HR on these matters? HR, of course, stands for human resources. If the behavior cannot be corrected by simple conversations, or if the behavior is in any way illegal or threatening or a form of harassment, it may be better to go to the HR department in order to report the behavior so that the company both A, has a record of the bad behavior, and B, can take appropriate actions to try to correct it. You can't always solve all the problems yourself. So... If you're looking to leave the company because you just can't stand what's happening, there are a few things to think about. First, when you're looking for jobs and you're asked why are you leaving or why are you looking to leave, don't go into too much detail about everything that's wrong with your current or former situation. Instead, talk about fit and general environment of the new job versus the existing job. If you're asked why you're leaving, a job in which you are being treated unfairly, you could answer that you feel the current job is not a good fit for your skills and abilities or that you are underutilized and you want to give your best to your new company. Stay positive and focus on the new opportunity. When I first left college and got a job in banking, after a time I felt that banking wasn't really the great fit for me. I decided I'd rather move to another industry and I chose the media industry. It took some time, several months, of networking, of seeking out people, of searching through job opportunities before I found where I thought would be the great job for me. I applied for the job, successfully aced the interviews, and got the job. Then, of course, I went back to tell my bosses at the bank that I was leaving in a very nice and non-threatening way. They were respectful, but of course they tried to talk me into staying. 
Ultimately, it was about what I thought was best for me, not what I thought was best for the bank, so I politely declined and moved on. Sometimes you may be in a situation where you feel you need to quit even without another job, just for your own personal psyche. This is a last resort, but it may be necessary. Let's say your boss has been treating you harshly for an amount of time and the company won't fix the issue. So you need to take care of yourself first. Try to leave on good terms wherever possible. Look carefully at your finances, at the benefits you're receiving, when those benefits may end, such as medical coverage, and determine the financial impact of departing even if you don't have another role lined up. Determine if anyone from your current company could be a good reference for future employers. Only then decide to pull the trigger and leave your current job. And then, of course, immediately start the process of searching for the next job. You don't want to be unemployed for too long a period of time if you need the money to pay the rent and to put food on the table. If you do have the luxury of taking some time off or you feel you need to recharge the batteries, that's okay too. But put together a plan about how much time you're going to take and when you're going to start looking for another job so you don't get into a rut uh, and end up dwindling down your savings account balance because you haven't started looking. The bottom line is that your behavior at the workplace has an impact on others. Always treat others in a way that you would prefer to be treated. Be thoughtful, be a good listener, and consider others' viewpoints. It is important to correct bad behavior to prevent future problems, and it is even better not to behave badly in the first place. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have any questions or want to give us feedback, please do so to rob at the robsilverstoneshow.com. This is Rob Silverstone. Thank you for listening and look forward to another episode. 